Hello film lovers and welcome to another episode of the Films I Love Most podcast. Sit down, relax and whap out those cinematic snacks. It's time for the Films I Love Most podcast live. I'm just calling you a little bit earlier, just so that we can do a time check. <laughs> oh, yes. It's 1.55 p.m. here in sunny Los Angeles. Yeah, it's five to nine here. Maybe, I don't think we've done our daylight savings yet. I think that's the problem. Oh, that's so weird. So you, yeah. So you've done it. We haven't. Right. So we're further behind the normal. Right. Well, are we gonna are we gonna start again at two? Are we gonna do the show now? What do you think, Keith? Let's do the show now. All yeah, right. Is that all right for you? Is that good? Sounds good to me. Excellent. Well, that's perfect then. That's really good timing. Um, firstly, how are you? Hello, Dorothy. Mister Dorfman. <laughs> Is it Mr. Dorfman or is it me? Hang on. Can you hear me, Mr. Dorfman? Hi, guys. We're just having a bit of a technical issue. Bear with me one second. Can you hear me? I hear you great. Do you hear me? Oh, I can hear you, yes. Oh, great. Okay, so we got that fixed. I heard you the whole time, by the way. Oh, did you? Your lips weren't moving. I was like, (laughs) No, I'm here, I swear. I swear. (laughs) Oh, good. That's that's a good thing. Um, Yeah, how are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing really well. How about you, man? How's everything? Oh, yeah, really good. Really good. I had the, um, the vaccine, my first dose today, so I am so excited to be able to go and see some people my my entire family's had it now so we can have a little bit of a reunion on sunday which is nice oh that's fantastic i had my first dose on monday i had the moderna oh, one mm. so i got four okay. weeks now so three and a half or whatever until the next one mm-hmm. yeah I've got so 12 i don't weeks. you have 12 you have to wait 12 weeks for the second one yeah i took the british the oxford one the british one for british people I took that one. <laughs> oh, really? oh, wow. So it's a, it's a totally different one, huh? It's not Moderna, Pfizer, or Johnson, yeah. huh? No, it's a nationalist vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they make you wait extra long. Yeah, they make you wait extra long just to make sure that you are British enough not to reject it. 
right. Exactly. <laughs> and that you don't, and that you feel properly bad about it. Yeah, that's it. You feel really guilty and go around saying, I'm really sorry I had the vaccine. I'm so sorry I had the vaccine. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry. It's really, I feel terrible. Really bad. Come sorry, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Absolutely. Hello, listeners. Thank you for all coming in. I know that um, it's going to be a steady, slow to slog to begin with. Uh, we have, um, um, oh, the guy who everyone thinks is funny but isn't. What's his name? Uh, Jeff. Uh, Who's that? Oh, Jeff Ross. Yes. Is he doing a show right now? Yeah, I think he's just finishing up. Um, Jeff Ross, who I thought was the Afro painter for for a long time. (laughs) You remember that? I do. Yeah. Was that Jeff? No, that was Bob Ross. Yeah, that's who I thought it was. Oh, you thought it was the whole time, but he's dead, so that would not work out. Yeah. Well, you know. (laughs) He's painting. Uh, he's Jeff Ross here. Yeah. He, oh no, he's not. He's not known in the UK, eh? No, we're civilized and cultured. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's yeah. Can't really argue that. <laughs> no, I mean, we've had Ace Ventura here, so you know. Oh, that's I mean, true. Oh, in fairness, word. though, in fairness, though, you do have Mr. Bean, so it's kind of like you know, Ace Ventura is our Mr. Bean. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Bean, yeah, I mean, I suppose Mr. Bean was, like, created, uh, and this is, like, a really weird thing, because this is almost like the reverse flip of what we're talking about today, whereas Mr. Bean was a very popular TV show around the world, because it's a genius creation where you don't need a language to be able to find it funny, because it's all physical humour. Right. And Kind of uh, like Benny, Benny Hill a little bit. Well, Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Americans are more obsessed than Benny, with Benny Hill than we are. Oh, really? Just say, yeah. Oh God, in the UK, it's Monty Python, which we can talk about also, which is again another flip uh, from a movie to a TV sequel. There's a flip mm-hmm. there, um, but yeah, Monty Python, uh, Faulty Towers is huge here, which never got a movie that were, was going to actually get a movie, but never. They never got around to making it. So Faulty Towers was was uh, John Cleese. Um, yeah, massive, massive series here in the UK. It's like repeated all the time. Oh, you know I've, when you I've seen every episode show? of Faulty Towers. Oh, yeah. You know when you have a TV show and you watch it and you think, my God, they made a lot of episodes. Well, they mm-hmm. actually didn't. They only made 12 Faulty Towers episodes. But it feels like they made so much more because every time you watch an episode, there's so much to see that you're forgetting that you're watching the same episode over and over again. Yeah. You know, I just had the reverse of that though, because I watched the uh, third season of killing Eve. Do you watch that show? Unfortunately, it's not one that I've gotten into. I should everyone, everyone I know watches it. I really should. Well, the first two seasons were really just great. And then the third season was so, I, I guess just lackluster that I had watched it and completely forgot. I watched it. And then I was like, oh, I never saw the third season of Killing Eve. And I watched it again. And then at the end, I was like, I've already seen this. <laughs> like, after eight episodes, I was like, geez, that was so bland. Yeah. That's <laughs> so what happens when you take Phoebe Waller-Bridge and, uh, and um, uh, Emerald Fennel out of the mix. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is one of my favorites. Yeah, she's I was a... like, you know, Yeah. What? Tell me. Fleabag's. Fleabag. 
just, just no, no you're saying you were lucky enough and then i cut you off oh what i was lucky, lucky enough to see her um recently well i say recently about two years ago now because of covid last year which it just doesn't exist uh at the <laughs> national theater in her one woman play version of fleabag because it was originally a one woman play at the national and then she did the tv series it blew up it got really successful and then she came back to do it as a play again for a limited run and i was lucky enough to um to get a ticket right up in the gods so I could see her, but she did look like a Lego, like the size of a Lego man very far away. <laughs> well, um, now you saw it in the second, in the revival after the series, right? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Right. And when she did it originally, no one knew her, basically, right? Which is great. No, no, oh, no one knew So who cool. Was. So cool. Yeah. Oh, my that's Lord. That's really weird as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's like theatre plays that become sort of big budget movie. There's quite a few like theatre plays that have become films. I think Fences was one, was one of them. I believe it was Denzel Washington. Yeah. That was originally a stage play. Obviously you have all of the Arthur Miller stuff like The Crucible. Um, Chicago. So yeah. Rent. Chicago, yeah. Or, or like the big budget musicals. You've got uh, West Side Story coming up. So yeah, there's a lot of those things. But plays specifically, I mean, for her to turn that one woman play into a, a fully fledged BAFTA, Golden Globe, blah, 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 winning TV show is amazing. Yeah, agreed. Very agreed. Clever. It really is amazing. I mean, everything she does, and then she goes to Killing Eve, and then she uh, wrote the new Bond, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And then she voices an android in Solo. <laughs> I mean, you can't, she is, uh, you know, her success is meteoric. Yeah. And she's still a really, really nice person, because I think it was people were queuing up to get tickets for like Fleabag. Like people were queuing around the block. Luckily, I was I was in there when they went on sale. Um, <laughs> but people were queuing around the block for return tickets. And because they were queuing out there all day, and I think it was on one day, it was really hot. So she came out with Andrew Scott, who plays uh, Sexy Priest in the second series of Fleabag. Her and Andrew Scott came out and gave everyone ice creams. Mm -hmm. who was standing in the returns queue. I mean, how gorgeous is that? It's, what a great a, thing to do. I mean, oh, God. Yeah, she is, yeah, she's one of those special those special beings that, you know, they, they were always destined to do what they're going to do. Um, mm. it, it's pretty incredible. It really is. I really am yeah, a, a big fan. Absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of uh, British TV shows in the 70s that got the big budget treatment. <clears throat> a lot of them, you know, shouldn't have like things like Dad's Army um, got a few like film adaptions. But I don't think they were very big abroad, but they were just more for the British audience. I think it was the like the novelty of seeing your favorite characters from your favorite TV show on the big screen. You know, it was um, yes. a bit of a novelty thing. So they seem to take every single sitcom apart from Faulty Towers, although a movie um, script was written by John Cleese. It just never got made. Um, huh. They took all the sitcoms and then they just sort of made them into to movies just to please the baying British public, which is amazing. And the Faulty Towers script, I believe, was meant to be that um, Basil Faulty uh, goes to visit Manuel's parents in Spain 
but they never make it off the flight because he, you know, is on the flight and complains about everything and the air hostess gets annoyed <laughs> with him. And he gets thrown off the flight. So that's pretty much like the, the movie in a nutshell. But um, that would have been great. I feel like The Saint was a TV series, right? That they turned into a movie? Say that again, sorry. The Saint? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, The Saint was one. Uh, I believe that was Roger Moore. Oh, really? The series was, uh, yeah, it was a British, uh, British thriller series. And was it Roger Moore? I want to say it. um, I'm looking right now. So it was, it was Roger Moore. You you nailed Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Well, Roger Moore, uh, Roger Moore's mum used to live uh, in the town where I'm from. So we used to see Roger Moore's mum around all the time. And so occasionally you'd see, Roger Moore. I mean, I don't remember. I was pretty young at the time, but my dad would always go, oh, look, boys, there's Bond. Bond's over there, look. Um, so, yeah. Really well, really I have my new, I have a new celebrity crush for me that uh, I, I don't love the show. And she's British, of course, because everyone talented is British now. Um, is uh, Hannah Ware. Okay, bear with. Yeah, she was... Um, I want to say uh, she was in Boss, but she's on that show on Netflix now called The One. And I, I believe as far as uh, she had smaller roles, like an old boy and shame. She was in shame. I don't know that that was that small. I didn't see that movie, actually. It's one of those weird ones that I didn't see. And then oh. she was in Cop Out with Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan. Like she's been around for a while. But um, OK, this one is, uh, you know, like a big one for her. The one this Netflix one, one about the DNA. One. Yes, about DNA dating. Oh wow, that that actually sounds right up my street. I love that sort of thing. It is. It, it, it's it's interesting. You know, it's a it's an interest. I'm you know two thirds of the way through it right now, and it's based on a novel. It's interesting. It's it's uh, she's you know she is by far the best thing in it. Like she is just how has she not been a star before? Like she is just fantastic. Yeah. So when you say about about de- carbon dating, um, DNA dating, is it like a a murder mystery show, or does it go further back than that? What who oh. what are they DNA dating? No, it's a murder mystery show. I mean, aren't they all at the end of the day? The mystery <laughs> is not that you know. It's it, it's more like you kind of figure out what the mystery is around episode two or three, and then it's will she, won't she, you know, get away with it, and the deeper the lies go, and you know, it's a. It's definitely psychological. I would I would almost say it's a little bit of a psychological thriller. Oh, okay. That definitely sounds right up my street. Yeah, it, it might be, and it's got undertones. Of, it feels like like a you know someone ripped off Harlan Coben. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just got a message from my friend uh, saying that stereo is glitching a little bit. So if I disappear or if you disappear. It's not us. It's uh, stereo is having a moment. Apparently, shocker, shocker. shocker. <laughs> well, so, I mean, um, any any tech thing has to have a moment. Yes, let's let's do it. What do we got? Let's break into this, Keith Andrew. Can we get this one over and done with first? Because I don't really want to speak about it like for too long. <laughs> but I suppose one of the... <laughs> you can tell I don't like it very much, don't you? Uh, yeah, with um, that opening, yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, one of the most prominent movie sequels that have come that's come out over the last couple of years is um, that's the sequel series to the Karate Kid, Cobra Kai. Yeah, 
A hundred percent. It's and, and by far yeah. the most popular. Yes, it started off as a YouTube uh, drama, and then obviously it became very popular on Netflix, and then they they brought the series from YouTube to Netflix. That was a success. Netflix then have made um, subsequent se- series. What is your opinion? What do you think about Cobra Kai? And what do you think about that idea of um, having a movie, creating a sequel series for it, but not necessarily focusing on the main character? And um, I just want to say to the listeners very quickly, um, if just uh, what are your favourite uh, TV sequels to films, all the other way around, movies of TV shows, uh, which are sequels. And of, and also I want to ask, what movies do you think would suit a TV show sequel? Because obviously TV shows and TV series at the moment pretty much are the new cinema. You know, yes. for me, TV has completely taken over film now. Yeah, it is the golden so, age of television. Um I'm one of the rare ones. I'm just not a uh, fan of Cobra Kai at all. And I'm, I'm one of the only ones. <laughs> Everyone okay. loves this show. I, and, and by the way, to be clear, I love the Karate Kid, you know, one, two, and even three. I didn't even mind the remake, to be quite frank, um, with uh, uh, not Jada Pinkett, but um, the other Smith. Uh, Jade, not Jaden. No, I don't. I can't oh, remember. Jaden, Jaden, yes, Jaden with Jaden. Oh, Jaden. Okay. Yeah, well, I get confused. Jada, Jaden, <laughs> they're very similar in their yeah. names. So, uh, you know, I even like that kind of. And and this, for some reason, it just I, I got through like half the first season, and it didn't work for me. But to answer your other uh, query, and I hope we hear from our stereo listeners, is for me, I, I do like the idea of taking a character from a great movie, like a different character that may not be the lead and putting it into their point of view. That, that's super interesting and ingenuitive to me. I, I really enjoy that. And it gives us a deeper dive into the characters. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's correct. I, I think that um, with a, with a series like Cobra Kai, I only remember the Karate Kid films from being young, growing up with them. My brother used to watch them all the time. So I do think it is quite an ingenious idea to tell the story from a different point of view from the baddie or you know the villain's point of view but then making that person very sympathetic i actually quite like that i thought that was quite neat um the only thing that i couldn't get past and i'm really sorry if there's cobra kai fans out there and i've just i think uh, approved some messages of diehard cobra kai fans <laughs> so you're all gonna hate me now <laughs> but i just think the acting is atrocious <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I think the guy Sholo, who plays the lead, is like kind of the, the saving grace of the show. I think that guy is a star in the making. Um, but I think this is not the role for I mean, look, he's doing great. So who am I to say? But also, maybe it's not the role where we're going to see how great he you know, truly can be. Yeah. Yeah, I just found it a li- the script a bit cheesy. Mm-hmm. I, I was laughing more at the bits that I wasn't supposed to be laughing at than what I w- than the bits that I was. And mm. I found that a bit of an issue. Well, like um, pretty much any fighting scene, <laughs> I was laughing. You're like, this is kind of ridiculous, huh? <laughs> yeah, this is rubbish. Yeah, but, um, you know. Yeah. But you want to listen to some of these? Oh, sorry, Keith, you go. Yeah, so I was going to say, I've got a friend, Tom, who uh, me and him are usually on the same level when it comes to our viewing pleasure. 
but he is obsessed with Cobra Kai. He's got like a T-shirt of Co- like of the Cobra Kai logo that he will not take <laughs> off. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. This guy is like in his like late thirties, and he, it, it's almost like he's you know discovered the Powderpuff Girls for the first time. He just won't. He has all the memorabilia. <laughs> it's it's madness. But so it must tune into something with people. But for me. It's, I said to him, why do you love Cobra Kai so much? He went, it's so bad. It's brilliant. And I was like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but that, that is a thing. So That's a thing for some people, man. You know, the it's so bad, it's great. Yeah. For me, I'm sorry it's so bad, it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, that is the bottom line. Yeah, I get to you that. Know, how do you wear that a place. hat? You wear a hat. It's bad, it's bad. <laughs> you know, I'm with you. You know, uh, you know, uh, Jason Smith, uh, Starburns Audio. He he loves the so bad it's good movies, like with Nick Cage, and he's got his favorites. Uh, you know, it's it's no joke. He's into it. Right. If I'm I'm gonna have a conversation with him, and if he even brings up the fact that he enjoys even a millisecond of The Wicker Man, then I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> I might have to. Um, send him help i might have to call 911 right just, just to be just to be safe <laughs> just to be sure just to be safe yeah just to be on the safe side yeah absolutely right i'm gonna hit the dishes now here we go tv sequels um um don't they call those seasons like why are you guys using tv sequels did i miss something i don't know i just got in here so i don't know <laughs> well this is sequel mania and we're talking about TV shows that are sequels to movies or in some respects the other way around. So you've got like uh, movies that are sequels because there's always, always films, you know, like uh, Peaky Blinders. They're always saying they're going to make a film of Peaky Blinders. Luther, you know, Luther with um, Idris Elba. They're currently um, in pre-production for a, a film of Luther. Um, mm. they, were all, they were always talking about Game of Thrones having a, a movie spin off at some point. So um, I just find it fascinating, the transition from big screen to small screen, small screen to big. So uh, that's what we're discussing. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) like like Blade. Well, yeah, but like Blade, (laughs) you know, they did after Trinity, they did Blade the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of that's what we're talking about. And yes, there are seasons to these sequels, but they are not to be confused therein. And that, like, for example, Blade was a live action uh, TV series that ran from like June to September. It was one season and uh, it was uh, on Spike, you know, and, and, you know, these happen all the time. Beetlejuice did one. There, there's there's a bunch of these that that happen. Um, like Animal House had two sitcoms based on it after it came out. Yeah, that's it. And, and um, talking of you mentioned an uh, animated uh, sequel which was the Beetlejuice animated series which I remember as a kid being really scary I was more scared of the TV series than I was of the actual film it was really odd and Beetlejuice was just like this like weird character that you know in the animated series was completely out of control and I remember I had the computer game for the Game Boy and I wouldn't right. play it because it was too frightening um, <laughs> it's yeah. too frightening I like it I mean but look they did The Little Mermaid, you know, and The Librarian was a film series, right? And um, then they turned it into a, uh, a TNT uh, series itself, you know, which yeah. lasted a minute. 
Just yeah, saying. absolutely. And then we've got obviously that we'll talk about a little bit later to Cliff's absolute delight. I cannot, be- I think this is the thing that Cliff is most excited to talk <laughs> about today. We're going to talk about Clarice. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> but there's a great example. There's a great example of, you know, film to now TV. Well, yeah, and it is a sequel, it's not a prequel. It's an absolute sequel. In fact, they re shot some of the scenes from Silence of the Lambs to fit yes. into that opening episode and beyond. I know, it's so, so weird. Yeah. yeah. Same That's with what Psycho. We're doing by race, hey, hey, now, Cliff Dorfman, don't make that claim. I mean, um, Mr. Bean is British. <laughs> and although Jim Carrey made it into Hollywood acting, he's Canadian, so. He's the Canadian Mr. Bean. You got to find somebody else, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, biracial, uh, we know that, as I've stated numerous times, Canada is America's farm league. They get sent up to the majors (laughs) from Canada. We're the big show. So, yes, Jim Carrey, I bet he thinks he's American. He's probably got dual citizenship (laughs) for taxes, though. But, you know, you're not wrong, biracial, brother. I got to say, you're not wrong. But now I don't know who to find. Jerry Lewis. Mr. Bean is the British Jerry Lewis. How about that? Boom. Yeah, or Steve Martin in some respects. I can imagine like Steve Martin, you know, like in the Pink Panther movies. Is it well, a little yeah. Mr. Bean? A little bit. But, you know, Steve Martin wasn't as big on the physical comedy. Uh, you know, there are people like like John Ritter. Yeah. Right? John Ritter could be the American Mr. Bean. Yeah, okay. Just saying. <laughs> Bring it though, biracial. Who else you got? Let's see. I'm not wrong. I'm not, uh, you know, wouldn't be the first nor the last time that I will or would have been wrong. <laughs> Bring it, biracial brother. Yeah. Here Bring it. <laughs> Do you think Cobra Kai is super? Yep. I don't. I, I think you might be a child. I'm not entirely sure how I let that through. I apologize. Um, I'll throw the Raven in for the best TV sequel, the sequel to Highlander. The show that used to come on way too late. Um, I think it was between Silk Stockings and Renegade. <laughs> yeah, it's set a few years after the first film. The uh, Highlander, the series, Highlander, the Raven. And then there was the animated series as well. Mm. Now, saying. I feel like we need to discuss this a little bit. Because I'm, I'm just going to... Look, Mixel Pixel, as I call him. We, we get on very well because we have a mutual love for Neil Gaiman and um, for the Sandman. But I've got to say, like, I went on... I'm going... Tom's being featured way too much in this, seeing he's a bit of a dick. But I went on <laughs> holiday with Tom and his partner and we went to Valencia and we went on a massive long walk and then we walked back. And all the way, the walk back from the uh, museum to our apartment... He told me the whole plot line to How I Land a One, Two, and Three, because I'd never seen them. And he said, as soon as we get home, we're going to watch Highlander. So I was like, okay. So we got home and we watched the first Highlander. I really, really struggled with it. Wow. I, I did not enjoy it at all. I thought it was, I thought the plot was, the okay pretty basic i'm not entirely sure why sean connery um wanted to do it i think he heard the title and thought that it was going to be something a lot more grandiose (laughs) but uh, okay i'm not entirely sure like how 
Highlander built a franchise. Can you can you help me in any way, shape, or form, Mister Dorfman? I mean, I think I can. I, first of all, I'll say that um, the fact that not only did they base three series off it, but that this movie with Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert and Roxanne Hart was still being touted, re- referenced, talked about, and beloved would say that Sean Connery made the correct choice. The second thing I'll say is this, that like I am with Cobra Kai in the very, very small minority of people, uh, you are with Highlander. Highlander is, now, and you've also you look at it just from, uh, let's say, a film studies point of view. It's the age-old war between an immortal war, immortal warriors, and, uh, you know, that, that goes into in and out of present-day and past storylines, which is basically the template, you know, for so many superhero movies, right? So really what we're seeing is a universe that was created in a time. Like, this is really, there's a way, there, there is a, an argument to be made that there is the Highlander universe, Okay, but just just so we're not deluded in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> literally the flashback episodes, like parts of the film, to him, like in flashback, is literally him just frolicking like half naked with a lady. Like, there's not much that really happens. It's like, okay, this guy's lived forever, fine. But w- what we're really seeing from that is, you know, that he. It's a love story, that side of it. And then you come to modern day and the effects are quite bad. And, you know, the soundtrack is... is well, they're quite bad for today. You know, well, yeah. But they're not quite bad for 19, when they 85, when they made it. And the fact that they threw a love story in, you know, I mean, that, that, uh, that you know, they, they took the time to do that to me is, you know, as she's investigating Nash and finds evidence that he's lived forever... You know, and how many times he's faked his death, you know, and and, uh, and living at the same address for like 300 years or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I mean, this is kind of cool stuff, especially for I mean, let's look at the 80s films. I mean, this is really a, somewhat of a of a cool departure in a lot of ways. I'm just saying there's another way to look at it. Yeah, I think maybe. I was slightly tainted with it because um, I had been told the plot mm-hmm. to two and three like Ooh. at the same time. So I was watching it. With Not the cool, man. Of what Not was cool. Happen. Not cool. Yeah. Who did that to you? Because my friend Tom. Not okay, Tom. <laughs> Not okay. Don't don't make someone watch Highlander and then ruin their experience. Not okay, man. Yeah. Not okay. None of us are okay, okay. Keith. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> that is a faux pas. <laughs> and also, you know, knowing the plot and then, you know, knowing briefly the sort of idea behind the TV series. Uh, and also, just um, if, for any of you that are listening that do enjoy Highlander, uh, there was a company called Big Finish Productions, which is quite a pronounced... Um, I think they're the British biggest... Uh, content creators in the UK of audio drama mm-hmm. and they did they got the actors back from the Highlander TV series to do some audio dramas so check those Ooh. out because I love Big I love Big Finish they do so many great things they've just teamed up with um, Jerry Anderson's son Jamie Anderson to, to bring back a lot of, of those Jerry Anderson shows like Space Precinct Space 1999, you know, all those really classic TV shows. So, um, yeah, 
check those out because um really really good uh I, we, we are getting so many um messages in from i'm sure people that are gonna <laughs> tell me where they're to gonna get pissed at you <laughs> shove a spear right up my highlander um, <laughs> <laughs> all right let's listen to him Oh, lest we forget the billion with a B, as in billion dollar Lord of the Rings second age, I think, uh, show that is in pre-production now. It's probably going to be in pre-production for a long time. But uh, I don't know. I think we're looking at that off in like three years. Yes. What do you think about that, Cliff? What do I think about it? Wait, you broke up. What did you say, Keith? I'm sorry. Oh, it was a little... Yeah, what do you think about the new Lord of the Rings series? And what do you think about how much money they've spent on it? Well, I mean, the first thing I'm thinking is that I can't wait. The second thing I'm thinking is, damn, I, it better be good. And the third thing I'm thinking is it's going to be good. <laughs> I'm really, yeah. really, in, in a very big way, feeling like this is going to be something that Amazon does not fuck up. Yeah, I mean, with the amount of money that they've spent on it, they are literally going to be, <laughs> like, watching that show like Hawks. Surely. Well, for Hawks, sure. But... <laughs> yeah, but also there's something, you know, and this is this is another debate that, that has sparked, which is, you know, are you Netflix where you have a new show and movie 52 weeks of the year, you know, for everyone gets something every year, we're always going to have something for you, or are we doing these huge budget, you know, kind of um, tent poles like Lord of the Rings, where Amazon's like, we're going to come out with like five a year, like the boys and Lord of the Rings, and they're going to be awesome. And that's what we do. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I personally do feel like that Amazon suffer slightly in the respect that uh, personally for me, if I want to watch something, I don't necessarily pick up my remote and head to Amazon Prime. Or Amazon Video, I would I would literally uh, by habit go to Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree think, with you. Yeah, I think that Amazon suffers in that in that respect that they don't bring out uh, like you know a lot of content that get a lot of people talking. You know, if you think about the things that people talk about here on Stereo, the vast majority of them are Netflix shows. So. Even though I do think it's great that they're obviously budgeting their money so that they can spend it on big projects like like Lord of the Rings, I do feel like they slip under the radar quite a lot. But Lord of the Rings won't, obviously, because that's going to be plastered everywhere. I don't think there's going to be a billboard in the entire world that won't have a poster for Lord of the Rings when it comes out. But um, I'm looking well, forward here, to it. Let me say this. What I will say about Amazon is I agree with what you said. Completely. And I will add, though, that when Amazon does come, like Sound of Metal, nominated for all these Oscars, you know, they're doing Lord of the Rings, Marvelous Ms. Maisel, like Emmy after Emmy after Golden Globe, you know, The Boys, the, the biggest series of uh, 2020, you know, already renewed for a third. You know, so so when they, it's like, they're kind of like, I, I feel like Jeff Bezos is, uh, you know, and all that team's whole philosophy is go big or go home. Yeah, absolutely. And look, and look you know, we know that acquiring a franchise like Lord of the Rings doesn't mean that you get just a TV series. I mean, they're going to have merch coming out of their mm. ear holes. There is going to be a whole Hamley's section, probably, to um, the new Lord of the Rings show. And there's going to be 
like every bit of merch that you can think of a bit like mandalorian you know like if you go right. into a lot of toy shops uh, not that you can at the moment but if you go i'm um, into toy shops like last year you know you couldn't move from baby yoda key rings and cuddly toys and pillows and god knows what so i'm sure that they're marketing uh, lord of the rings and aiming it at the audience to the point where people are just going to have you know lord of the rings everything you know action figures and that so it's a it's a great little money maker Oh, sure. You know, but they're they're now saying that uh, I guess um, there was an actor that just, you know, uh, left. He walked away or they kicked him off or this Tom Budge guy. And, you know, uh, of course, like there's different uh, periodicals saying like, oh, well, is this signal trouble that there's a cast exit? And I mean, you know, casting is like the hardest part of anything. And if you, you got to get it right. So to me, it signals that they're trying to get it right, you know, for whatever reason he left and, and it doesn't sound like he would leave on his own volition. It's obviously, you know, you don't, I don't care. Do you know who Robert Budge is or Tom Budge? You know, I, I haven't heard of him. And, and <laughs> no, it sounds with, a very unfortunate name. Right. Well, with no disrespect to him, you know, he's not in a position to walk away from the Lord of the Rings TV series. So in that case, you know, it feels like they asked him to go, which to me, says that they're very, very, very serious about making sure they get this thing right with a $250 million budget. Oh, he's Australian. Okay, so they're obviously uh, saving a little bit of money hiring some Australian actors because uh, they don't obviously have to fly them very far. They just fly them across to New Zealand. I'm, not, I'm sure he's talented, but I'm sure that's the other reason why. But, um, but most yeah, of the characters the are... I'm sorry, most of the characters are, are, are unknown. I haven't heard of most of the people who are in this. Mm. And, oh, well, sorry, I just want to correct myself for one moment. It's, they spent $250 million to get the rights, and they're $150 million yeah. per season. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I remember the, the payout just to get the rights to do it was massive. Ridiculous. Yeah. Quarter of a bill. Uh, but what I will say is this really annoys me as... As I, I hate calling myself an actor because I just get up and pretend to be someone else and I really enjoy it. So, <laughs> but when actors say that um, they're exiting a series, especially a series as big as Lord of the Rings on Amazon for creative differences, I just want to go and punch them really hard in the face. <laughs> and, um, and I don't mean that in an aggressive, violent way. I've never actually punched <laughs> someone in the face. Uh, but I, I mean it in a way of, oh, my God, you are in such a position to star in this huge project. What could you possibly be, like, d indifferent about? Is it your costume? Like, are right. there too many ruffles? Did you not like filming in the mud? What is your problem, Mr. Budge? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, again, that's why I say it's not his it's not his or her. I don't know how he identifies, but it's not Mr. Budge's choice. You know, in my opinion, no, my humble. Yeah, I, I think yeah. they've asked him to go. And I think that's, uh, you know, that, that's a, that, again, that's to me is not a sign of trouble. That's a sign of like, we're not fucking around. We're going to get this right. We're spending, you know, about a billion dollars over three seasons on this commitment. We're spending 20 million at least an episode. <laughs> I mean, this is no yeah. joke. Yeah. Piss off, Budge. You're not wanted yeah. here. Yeah. Or so, yeah. you know, look, but we could have the sympathetic way, which is like, oh, poor guy. I had like this role of a lifetime and then they bounced him. 
No, because there has to be a reason. You just don't get bounced for, for being there and being an, an, a jolly, upbeat actor who's so pleased and happy to have this experience and this opportunity like like any of us do. I've, I've done <clears throat> like one-act plays in village halls in God's nowhere with 20 people in the audience. And I've been really grateful to have that experience because, you know, even if someone's paying a pound or whatever to come and watch you, you give it your all. I just think there's someone going, oh, I really don't like my trailer. My trailer hasn't got enough scatter cushions in it. I was just wondering if we could do something about that. Piss off. No, I don't care. You don't have, cre- you don't have creative differences on a show called, like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, listen. Well, here's my biggest concern about this show is that I feel like the writing staff is very weak. You know, you have Jennifer Hutchinson who worked for a year on Breaking Bad. I mean, you know, okay, that's, you know, that's a good show, but you were a year. You weren't on for the run of the season. Then you have Jason Cahill who did about the same thing for The Sopranos, Uh, you know, and then uh, you have Stephanie Folsom who uh, had some work on Toy Story 4 and she, I I don't even know, she credited on Thor uh, Ragnarok? I'm not even, I I feel like she is. Um, But these writers to me uh, are not, with the money you're spending, like, why don't you have Steve Zalian in there? Like, you know, like you're spending all this money. Why are you cheaping out on, you know, these kind of middling writers, you know, and let me be clear. I would be a middling writer, in my opinion, to be even thought about being hired for this. I feel like the people that you hire for something this important with this much money on the line are the, you know, the David Capps, the, you know, uh, who, you know, Catherine Bigelow, you know, like find the best fucking people. Uh, yeah. You, you know, uh, Michelle McLaren should be directing. You know, it's like this is the uh, the kind of things I want to see. I don't, You know, why isn't Regina King directing? And, you know, I, it, like, look, you know, Damon Lindelof. And I'm not saying he'd do it, but you offer enough money. He probably would. Yeah. Yeah. And he. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, look at the amazing work that he did with Watchmen and. Yeah. You know, the Leftovers, which is oh. my top five favorite shows of all time. Oh, I the love that. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. Okay, should um, we get to some more yeah, ditties? Because right. we're spending a lot of time on this, and I feel bad, don't you? I do. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I love Lord I of the Rings, this, though. I think Tom Budge is getting too much uh, air Too much play? <laughs> oh, Clarice <laughs> looks like just NCIS, CSI, hot, hot shit garbage. I mean, I was so excited to hear that they were bringing back her character to explore it, but... They're not doing anything different stylistically or visually with it. It's just going to be her character plunked into, I don't, any number of shitty CBS crime procedurals. Oh, I'm glad we, we're delving into this already. Mm-hmm. Cliff is so excited. This is the only reason that Cliff agreed to do this chat with me. He messaged not me true. and said, I'm only going to do the chat if we can talk for hours and hours about the <laughs> And I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. Not true, though I will say this. Uh, once again, I do agree with Mixoplex. Um, yeah. I, I just, Keith, will you bear me a moment to just go back for one moment, uh, for one second about the Lord of the Rings? It's just something I want to clarify. Absolutely. With absolutely. the actors, I absolutely love when they cast little known to unknown actors in these big shows because that's where I like to see breaks given. But when you're talking mm-hmm. about the writers, that's where you, you're not looking for breaks. I want to be clear. I'm excited about a fresh new cast. 
I can't wait. This takes place thousands of years before the original. Like, I can't wait. But if you're world building, you should be paying for the best exec producer writers. The top of the top. That's all. No, no, I completely agree with you because the production crew, I mean, when you talk about, about creative differences, yeah, I expect to hear that sometimes from the production crew, the director, maybe the writer, but oh, yeah, no, I completely mm-hmm. agree. That's all. Oh, Cause I yeah. want to say that for unknowns and with acting, I, I, I absolutely love it. It makes me excited. And I love seeing people get breaks with the writing on something this important. You don't skimp. No, no. Okay. And I really enjoy the writing of, um, of Jane Goldman, who is Jonathan Ross's, uh, wife, a really popular uh, TV uh, chat, sh- chat host presenter here in the UK. I think she's great. I think she's written some uh, great stuff, but she's also written, obviously, some terrible things. Uh, I love Stardust and her Neil Gaiman adaptation that did, she did. I think she'd be a great uh, person to write uh, something like that. I mean, she was up to write the um, the prequel series to Lord of the Rings. Bef- uh, not Lord of the Rings. Prequel series to Game of Thrones, sorry, before it fell through. So, yeah. Um, yeah yeah unfortunately that didn't work out for her but uh, i quite like her work i think she's very varied which i quite like but um okay clarice yeah clarice let's get into it i I agree with mixoplex go because i watched the first episode and i didn't quite know uh what was going on and where it was because i love the hannibal lecter trilogy i even like hannibal I, i know a lot of people don't like it personally for me i think it's okay but the thing with Clarice is, and I think Mixel Pixel did like nail it, it, it is a very generic show. And to have the title uh, character, even like the title character as the title of the show, you expect it to go more into those darker moments. You know, even Jodie Foster said, A, she didn't want to do Hannibal because she didn't think the script was great. But also, you know, it's a very dark side of uh, of a character to go down so she didn't necessarily want to go down that route again i feel like they haven't even even touched upon that now you've got so much to go on you've got so much to go back and watch and so much wealth of information especially in hannibal the tv show which was literally like watching jewels and diamonds and rubies on on screen it was beautiful to watch i don't understand why they didn't take a leaf out of that book and do it in a very similar style or even connect those two shows together because i don't because it would have been amazing but mixel pixel is correct i gave it a little bit of time i know i said to you that i was unsure about it i watched mm-hmm. the second episode still unsure i've now watched four episodes i'm not watching anymore i feel like they've completely done a disservice to the character i think if thomas harris was to watch it he'd probably just go well you know, I did write Hannibal and I did write her eating brains and shagging the main character at the end. But nobody listened to me. This is what's <laughs> going to happen. Utter <laughs> trash. Yeah. Shame because there's so much there. Well, here's the thing. First of all, I, I want to say that I think the lead actor, is, I think she's great. You know, she's doing such a better job than the material a lot. Here's what yeah. I don't understand. Why everyone is surprised. This is what CBS does. Look at every single one of their shows. They do procedurals that are meant for the geriatric demographic. You know, uh, they want to sit around and go like, look, honey, they're, they're moving the test tube. 
we're going to find out the murderer. And it's not to say that they're not intelligent people. It's just to say they want their brains to relax. They, they, these are blueprints that CBS has been using since CSI. You know, this is this is not going to change. I mean, Les Moonves, who we you know we can't really talk about anymore. He has set into motion a long time ago, taking older movie stars who's you know uh, have faded from. Uh, you know, uh, appeal, let's say, or from the public view and putting them into these TV shows, Mark Hamill, uh, David Caruso, it, the list just goes on and on. And, you know, this is what he does. This is what they do. And they're not going to stop. Now they're just putting a new face because it had to be a woman and a younger one into this. But it's the same show. It's the same yeah. beats. And, and, and it's going to be the same. Nothing's going to change. This isn't HBO making Clarice. That would be interesting. Yeah. And I think that what is really disappointing about it is that we have had a show that exists in that universe, which to me was one of the one of the um, most glorious, probably the, one of the masterpieces of TV in the last sort of 10 years. And I don't understand how that can exist. And then Clarice can exist like side by side. It just doesn't make sense to me. And you're right. You know, I used to go to my aunt's house in Delano, Minnesota, go and stay with her for a month uh, every now and again. And we'd sit there at eight o'clock in the evening watching the same old NCIS, CIS, <laughs> NCIS, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was literally the, like watching the same episode again and again and again every day. So and that that is what Clarice feels like. They've even brought this conspiracy element into it, which is like, what? It's not even a conspiracy within the FBI. It's a conspiracy that is really boring. It's about like medical testing or something. And you're just like, oh, this is yawn, 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 yawn. <laughs> so, um, yeah, unfortunately, they really fluffed it up. But the thing is, you know, and that, what really upsets me about that is there's no second chance with this because they make a, they make a shit show mm -hmm. and then they blame the fact that the concept or that the or that you know people don't they, they blame the lack of viewers on the fact that oh people obviously didn't want to watch like a Clarice show well we do we just want to watch a good one so therefore now they won't make another show like that involving that universe or those characters because they think that they haven't got any appeal but they have got appeal but just not the way you did it <laughs> right so it makes me sad well, you know, just to be clear, right, the first episode, which aired on February 11th, uh, was a 0.54 demo in the 18th to 49 with 3.997 million viewers. The second went down in the 18th to 49 demo to 0.44, but went up in the viewers to 4 million. And then we see just kind of a... a, a holding pattern you know for the next three episodes around 3.6 million you know 3 million to 3.6 but it's gradually going down like the third was 3.6 the fourth was 3.4 and now the fifth is 3 million and what we're also seeing is a decline in the 18 to 49 demo down 43 41 and then all the way to 36 so you know this God. is yeah i I think we're not seeing this go the way they had hoped it would. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's their own fair. fault. I mean, look, I think... I've well, how, well wait, how is it their own fault? And I'm really asking. I'm not... Uh, 
you know, accusing? I'm, I'm truly asking. Well, I, I, I will say to you, and I think I've asked you this question in a roundabout way many times, and you've always answered me with such grace. But I always just think to myself, you have executives and you have people that are involved in these big, huge uh, film and TV companies that produce a lot of dramas. So they know what works and what doesn't. How can something be created, presented in front of them, then watch it and think that that is acceptable? When obviously it's not. Well, if you look at the, again, if you look at the structure, if you look at the format of this, what we see is them staying within their lane. This is what CBS does. And, you know, they're looking at it and they may say, oh, well, this is not winning any awards, but that's not what CBS does. That's not their brand, you know, CBS does. So they're looking at this and going, yeah, this is exactly what we're, uh, you know, what we expect is exactly what, what, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. We're we're getting exactly. I don't think anyone's sitting around going, man, like, (laughs) you know, why, why is this not brilliant? You know, but I don't think they're sitting around and going, why isn't without a trace brilliant? Or why isn't CSI brilliant? CSI was brilliant in its um, methodology, you know, but, yeah. you know, you know, in, in doing what they did, taking Dick Wolf's idea and then expanding it uh, into, yeah. you know, different, you know, and it's not just uh, law and order. Now we have a different facet here. We're going to do crime scene investigation and we're going to do JAG or, you know, now we'll do blue bloods. And, you know, I mean, I, I think, but, but they're still doing what they do. So I, again, I, I'm always um, amazed that people, and, and there's no one who doesn't think that she's turned. Oh, well, you know, you look at the AV club, uh, CBS hero gets turned into a procedural flunky. That's what CBS does. When have they not done this? Yeah. What what yeah. awards is CBS shows taking home? Tell me. <laughs> and, and they're not trying to. That's what I'm really get, trying to get across here. They are doing exactly what they do. Well, if you're not trying to win awards, leave franchises like uh, Silence of the Lambs and like Clarice alone. Leave those franchises alone. You know, why do we uh, need a, a mediocre company or mediocre channel to take on those franchises when they know they probably know that something like um hbo could do a much better job they know that this could be a really good show on netflix i just find it really frustrating and irritating that they would take something which they know needs to be something else it needs to be a different animal clarice needs to be like like Hannibal, it needs to be stylistic, it needs to be violent, it needs to be a, a really in-depth, close examination of a character, uh, the trauma and the, and you know, going right back to her childhood. What we get is she's, she's traumatised in this series for shooting Buffalo Bill. Like, that is what's traumatised her. Not for the fact that you know, her father died. She got sent to a farm. She tried to rescue the lamb. You know, Hannibal Lecter. You know, all that stuff happened. You know, the thing that really scars her the most in that show is the fact that she killed Buffalo Bill. And that doesn't make sense as for her as a character. Because that should be the one thing that she's relieved about. Okay, well, here's what I'll say as a rebuttal. 
I will, and then we should get to some more messages, but I will say this <laughs> yeah. as a rebuttal, which is why they take this is because of exactly what I had mentioned earlier, is that CBS demographic is not really playing to 18 to 49 that much. And if you look at the age that, you know, it was baby boomers that really were the ones who were, you know, silence of the lands. That's when it came out. So you are now hitting nostalgia with their key demographic. People in their 50s and 60s are like, oh, yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Let's watch this, hun. That's yeah. why they're not taking it for an artistic reason. They're taking it for name recognition, you know, and that's a big, you know, the big thing with CBS. I mean, they own billboards. They like synergy between what they're posting on the billboards they own and their shows. This is a, a, a network that is built on the same thing. Don't fuck with the formula. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I know you're right. I know you're right. I, I just, you know, in an alternative reality, uh, Clarice has been handed over to Netflix or HBO and is this glorious, you know, drama with, with Hannibal popping in at some point, you know, maybe in the season finale. Um, you know, I, I completely and utterly get what you're saying. It's just a shame. Oh, look, I agree. I think there was such an opportunity here. Such an opportunity. But yeah. again, you know, let's understand that the opportunity was also one that was based in you can't use Hannibal. So right away, that's going to exclude anyone who wants to do anything artistic. Yeah. And I think also that these companies are very short sighted if they think that a franchise or a movie like, um, for example, Science of the Lambs, does only appeal to the baby boomers or the people that were around at the time that that film was released and its popularity because um, my sister loves that movie and she's like 21. You know, so I think it's naive to think that these franchises only appeal to the people that uh, made them popular in the first place. I don't believe that's true. And oh, I, think I agree that, with you. I, yeah. I, I agree with you, I, but I don't think they care about that. They care about the fact that it's nostalgia for their key demographic. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I get that. It's a shame, though. It's a shame. Because yeah. it, right. it could have been so good. Could have been so good. And it's utter trash. Yeah, I know. Very disappointing. But I, I yeah. do think we will see that actress, actor. I don't know how we say it anymore because, uh, you know, I like to be respectful. Uh, but I think we will see that actor in many other things to come. She's had a long career. Excellent. Right, I'm going to hit another one. Yeah, let's do it. We're, we're, we've got a lot. Hey, Highlander. <laughs> if you want to see Ooh. a worse Christopher Lambert movie, rent the Sicilian <laughs> by <laughs> late, great Michael Cimino. Wasn't enough for him to make the Heaven's Gate disaster in 1980. Seven years later, he makes a multinational uh, disaster out of a... a Michael Corleone epic, The Sicilian. Oh, yeah. Mario Puzo wrote the book. I mean, you know, no one knows this movie. <laughs> nice pull, by the way. Yeah. Delving nice. right into the, uh, the bar. Yeah, very bit. impressive. <laughs> very oh, impressive. Very impressive. It's a cult classic. It's like squarely between, it's like, you know, it's not a Toxic Avenger. It's, you know, uh, but it's 
it's definitely not Terminator either. You know what I mean? Um, I think the one actually funny thing. I think it has some. The one thing it has in common with Terminator is that both of them were independently financed action movies with big effects. Um, I don't think either like when they came out, there wasn't a big studio that made them. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I love Christopher Lambert who can <laughs> just the best is Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown as the Kurgan is the show and oh, like the oh. little bit of sean connery that's in there is really good uh but the sequels are like a study in failure bro part three is kind of fun with mario van peebles it's just fun like put it on while you're mopping <laughs> i forgot all about the kurgan oh my god i forgot all about that <laughs> oh my god that's so funny I, again i agree with him i'd like to say i don't but i do mixoplex I, i'm agreeing with you do you like Christopher Lambert just because he's a little bit, you know, different, a little bit foreign, a little bit French? Is that the reason why you love him? Maybe I, that's the reason why we hate him. <laughs> listen, no one's saying I love um, Christopher Lambert. What I'm saying is that he is the ability to be good and he has the ability to be terrible. Yes. Yes. That's all I'm saying. You know, he was not good. In the Sicilian. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But he was really good in Highlander. That was good to me. That's all I'm saying. You know, certain actors, you know, there are only very few actors that you love in everything. There's only a couple of Brad Pitts to me. Yeah, that's true. I must say, though, the, the last thing I think I saw Christopher Lambert in was a very fleeting glance at the tv in an episode of um ncis los angeles see cbs <laughs> they take old movie stars and bring them back for your viewing yeah. pleasure <laughs> cbs is like the hollywood's um what do they call it what's that machine it's the, the pet cemetery for hollywood movie stars no it's it's the hollywood defibrillator oh yeah there you go bring them back i love that <laughs> there you go you can have that one Keith, I don't know if I got to explain this to you, but they, you know, frolicking is an important skill to an immortal as just as much as a sword play. Um, it's that's totally in the first act. <laughs> yeah, but it's not even just the frolicking, is it? It's the frolicking with that really operatic score behind it. So it's like epic fro frolicking, but they're not epic frolicking. They're just frolicking. Does that make sense? <laughs> They're just frolicking. That's it. It's not epic <laughs> frolicking. Yeah, but the music makes it epic and it grinds on me. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Okay, okay. But, um, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move, let's move on. Oh, Cliff, let me tell you. The <laughs> Highlander, though, has one major fuck-up. That they didn't include a scene that I didn't see until, like, the fifth DVD version of the secretary, how he knows the secretary. Um, he saves her when she's a girl in World War II. And it's not a shitty done scene. Like, it could have just slipped in there. It's not like there was a massive continuity problems or it wasn't like it was on a different film stock. There is a scene. I don't know. Okay. Watch the interrogation scene where he says, uh, I don't know, are you cruising for a piece of ass? The, the first interrogation scene after the whole garage scene it does actually switch to like a different filter or I think a completely different film stock 
for that scene. Anyway, all like talking about the the deleted one, that really does round out the whole immortal thing. It's a it's a short thing. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I mean, this is a film that has the line, "Are you are you cruising for a piece of ass?" <laughs> oh, it's no one saying it's politically correct. <laughs> Oh my word! Oh my word! Oh, that's interesting though. That there was a lot of um, edited stuff. I mean, I haven't seen. I probably saw a, an edited version. It was on a a physical media that we watched it. So, but interesting stuff. Thanks, oh, I love that. Yeah, people. absolutely. Yo, the boys isn't just a renewed for a third. It's getting its own spinoff too. And I, th- I, I really don't know what it's about. It might be like the older. Uh, generation of heroes or something like that i'm pretty sure but honestly like sandman is also getting i think a billion dollars but i don't i think and i think both of them are at amazon i'm gonna double check it but um yeah y'all y'all can work on google but um yeah (laughs) sandman is gonna i think those are the the big like you know i i think lord of the rings is gonna get the budget that game of thrones should have had because i think game of thrones it, it, it the books read like a great fantasy show script you know what i mean um the lord of the ring i mean lord of the rings is going to be harder to put action in, and there's a lot of gaps to fill too because what they're basing it on the book of lost tales book of forgotten tales the silmarillion th- those are more like history books almost they don't have a lot of story as i remember hmm hmm yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm gonna ask uh, my one of my best friends, uh, such a dear, wonderful person, is is Laz Alonzo, uh, who is on the boys, and I'm gonna ask Laz what what the spinoff is, uh, so we could find out. Uh, you know, hit me on the, our next sequel mania next week. I'll have an answer. I'm, I'm sure it's out there in Google, but I want to see if I can get some good, juicy facts. And if I had to guess, I would say that Sandman is. Sandman is uh, Amazon because the Audibles, which is owned by Amazon, did the um, Audible Originals, did the Sandman uh, spoken word. Mm-hmm. Like a 10 part. Which I've listened to three times now. I really listened to it again last week. I'm obsessed. I love it so much. I, I've always loved the Sandman. I think the Audible version is uh, incredible, great cast. Um, I'm optimistic about TV show. But at the same time, um, I'm not a huge fan of American Gods, although I love the book. So, have you been yeah. watching the new season? No, I, I'm I'm waiting for it all to be released. I think we've got a couple more episodes left here. In, one um, more, one more, yeah, one more. So, what after this last one, I'm going to watch Blitz it, uh, the the last season, season three. But yeah, I just wasn't a fan of. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I find American Gods a struggle, which I shouldn't because I love the book so much. But Sandman, I, my, I'm out on that at the moment. We'll have to wait and see. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm kind of hoping with um, Lord, the Lord of the Rings TV stuff that it'll delve into um, some of his other books, like um, the Silmarillion. Um, is based, you know, is basically an entire history of the first and second age before the Lord of the Rings even starts, <laughs> and um, then you've got uh, Book of Lost Tales and Unfinished Tales and stuff that go into so much more detail on what Middle Earth was like um, 
I mean, um, there is a huge amount of writing that Tolkien did to create his fantasy world, including making up his own languages. Um, but um, I'm hoping they really go into depth with all that kind of stuff and don't just tell the same basic Lord of the Rings story again. Mm. I hope so, too. I yeah, really hope so. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm so hesitant about the writers that they they brought on. And I'm not saying it's not going to be great. It better be great. But I, I just hope it is. Why, yeah, why didn't you hire Steve Zalian? Yeah. You got enough money. Yeah. Yeah. No and one I, is I, above, you know, Keith, let me just tell you something. No one in Hollywood is above an extra beach house. <laughs> oh, dear. Get that on a t-shirt. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no one is above an extra beach house. Um, obviously, if it does flop, it's probably going to be the biggest flop in in uh, TV history. Um, yeah, it'll be the water world of TV. <laughs> On that <laughs> note, play another ditty because that was good. Okay, that would be very much in keeping with the tradition of Lord of the Rings because Aragorn was not originally um, Viggo Mortensen. Like there, the, there was another actor on the set in makeup, and they got rid of him and got Vigo to do it, which is awesome, because that that is that part was built for Vigo. He put himself in it. There's hilarious stories about him. Um, like he would always keep the sword around. He would always just take it around, and the whole town that he was in was all Weta. It was all a production town and whatever. But I guess he like ventured too far into like the village or whatever the actual town. Uh, with a sword and went to the gym and they called the cops on him once. <laughs> well, you would, wouldn't you? He's... <laughs> I... All right, let's keep going. He's I lo- he's just going to keep coming up with great stuff. So I feel like we can Absolutely. comment on every one of his messages like ad nauseum, but instead let's just keep running. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely, because you've got 10 minutes. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, I guess. If we can go a little over, I want to get through the messages. I, 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 I... You know how it is. I love our show so much. So, but yeah, technically, I have eleven minutes. I mean, if we have to go five minutes over, let's do it. No worries. Here we go. Can go the other way as well. I mean, um, I thought The Shining was a fucking fantastic film. Stephen King hated it, and then <laughs> did his own version for a made-for-TV film, and it was absolutely terrible. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Just because you have a, a good writer, um, I know you're talking more about writers of, of screenplays, but um, just because you have a good writer doesn't necessarily mean that they can create a great film. Gentry, I can't argue with you. You know, I, I definitely can't. Um, but let's be clear. Stephen King is a novelist and he dove into writing a screenplay. All I'm saying is it might be nice to spend the money to get the people who are best at writing screenplays. Yeah. I, that's all. That's yeah, all. yeah. And let's not forget that Stephen King did write a treatment for Stanley Kubrick and Stanley Kubrick read it and put it straight in the bin in front of King, which is why he hates uh, the Shining movie so much um, because he felt like that uh, Kubrick did a massive poop all over his project. But... Agreed. Uh, you're right. That uh, that Stephen King, uh, the Shining TV show, is abhorrent. Well, yeah, abhorrent. mediums count. Mediums count for something. You know, it's you could be fantastic in one medium, and then you know, it's a different type of art. 
you know, writing a screenplay is like the art of writing the best blueprint you can for a director and for studio execs. Yeah. That's what the art of screenplay writing is really at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've never, yeah. I've never heard it put that way before. That's really interesting. Yeah. I like that. Mm, a blueprint for directors. That's really interesting. Oh, that's a good, that's a gem. I'm going to, I'm, I'm having that. Um, I like Christopher <laughs> Lambert because he's Later. the Highlander. And for four, over 400 <laughs> years, he's one. been protecting us from the forces of evil. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Vader! <laughs> yes. Okay. There can well, only just, be one. I do love you, Vader, but I don't think that is personally Christopher Lambert. <laughs> it but is. It just is. Because I care, just because I love Vader and I really care about his feelings, I'll play along this one time. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of love what Vader said. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Totally agree that Clarice needs to be on a different channel. It is a great show, or at least I like it. Or I think it's got potential to be really, really awesome, but they are handcuffed. Yeah. Yeah, they're handcuffed. Yeah. They can't go down that grisly you know, route that HBO can do, you know, if they, if, if Silence of the Lambs was on CBS, you know, they wouldn't have that scene with her finding a pickled head in a garage, would they? It would just no. be like, you just see like a jar and she'd lift it up and you just see her facial expression. Exactly. Like, ah! It's implied something gross over there off screen. Very implied. Yeah. And then she'll talk about it. She'll tell you all about it in the next scene. Yeah. Big close ups. Big, big, big yeah. close-ups. Get an ECU like, of her nose. Her nostrils. Yeah, let's yeah. watch it flare. The smell is putrid. <laughs> get it. Get an ECU of the nostril flaring. Good. Good. There you go. All right. Yeah. I'm Print glad it. you didn't make that film in CBS. <laughs> Print it. What do you guys think of the 13th Doctor, if you guys watch Doctor Who? Um, because it feels like it's pretty trash now. Um, okay, I mean, this is slightly on topic because in the 1960s, not many people know this, there were actually two big budget film versions of Doctor Who uh, starring Peter Cushing, who was very well known for the Hammer Horror um, films at the time, playing the Doctor. Uh, they were very disconnected from the TV show. They were actually remakes of TV episodes that were expanded. Um, and people loved them because it was the first time that the uh, Doctor had been in colour on the big screen because it was still in black and white on the TV. Uh, so it's sort of on topic. There are sort of uh, spin-offs that have been on the big screen. Uh, personally, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, have been ever since I was a kid. Uh, I love um, Jodie Whittaker. I think she's doing a great job at the helm of the main role. Of course, a lot of people... First woman. Um, Yes, first woman doctor. And I think a lot of people have the view that it's not very good and that it's going downhill because of their own bigoted views about a female taking the part. I'm not saying any more. I, I would just agree with you. You know, and again, it's uh, this is a this is a millennial, right? Thousands and thousands of years old uh, alien time lord. Who, who, yes. How do we know what fucking gender that is? And who are we to say? Exactly. Isn't the fact that the Doctor is an alien, you know, and can change gender, isn't that... Alien easy? Time Lord. Not just an alien. Yeah. Alien Time Lord. Let's just be clear. 
from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Kerberos, Cliff Dorfman. But let me even go further, <laughs> right? Because women are obviously much smarter than us. So yeah. men would have just been like, yeah, sure, time's a pancake. Women are like, no, it needs to be in a straight line. I am an alien time lord. So to me, it feels like a woman organized time, and it certainly would be an alien time lord that's a woman. Amen Absolutely. to her. And they trialed it. They trialed it before uh, they had, back in the 70s, they introduced like a Moriarty character to the, to the, the doctor called the Master. And they, a, a couple of years before uh, Peter Capaldi became Jodie Whittaker, uh, they replaced the master because the master was also a time lord. They regenerated right. the master into a woman. And it worked brilliantly, which was sort of the blueprint for changing the gender of the doctor. It works. It's fantastic. The yeah. only problem is that people that are actually complaining about it haven't actually watched it. Well, that's, me... that's annoying. Well, let me be clear about one other thing. You know, they were tossing around the names, uh, you know, in 2016 of Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Tilda Swinton. I bet everyone wouldn't have been too mad if it was either of them. You know, I mean, it just, I, I yeah. feel like, you know, it's like, oh, well, we like them, but we don't know her. You know, like, we don't, like, yeah. it's like, come on. The ca and, and the yeah. fact that we have to have a conversation about the casting of a woman is kind of yeah. like, you know, can we get past this shit already? Yeah, totally agree with you. 100%. And the, the casting of the best though, actor. That's what I'm into. Exactly. And Jodie Whittaker is really, really good. So I don't know what the problem is. But right, we've got four more, Dorothy, and you've got... Let's minutes. do it. Let's go. Okay. I'm totally with you there, Keith. Um, I've been doing acting for years as well, and I have, I've had to do some truly awful plays um, I remember one there was a singing and dance routine in it where we were called the raggedy ass kids and we had to sing about being the raggedy ass kids because we were poor and couldn't afford to uh, read proper clothes um, in the story so we had to sing a nice song uh, about being raggedy ass kids and follow that up with a dance number Um not ideally what I wanted to do, but you just do that shit, don't you? You do. Exactly. You just Back do that up. shit, don't you? I can't even do it. You... It's such a great accent. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alexander's got a great accent. But the thing is, you are literally like the Play-Doh. You are the clay in which the director and the producer and the creative team are molding into their vision. You, know, you work closely together. What you right. don't do is what you don't do is go onto the set of Lord of the Rings and go, "Oh, I've got creative differences. I'm gonna go." I like, don't like this it. robe. I don't like this robe, mate. Yeah, don't come back. No. Go and have a Barbie. Put another <laughs> shrimp on the Barbie and don't come back. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this robe, mate. Feel like you'd wear yeah, boots, biker boots. <laughs> I think what Keith is upset about me too is like, okay, like come up with your own bullshit universe to make your own bullshit shows, but don't take fucking Clarice Starling, you know what I mean, um, from us and make one of your bullshit shows. Um, <laughs> I would have to disagree though with you, Keith, on season three of Hannibal was um, one and two were great, but season three they kind of let me down. Well, season three was a was um, was a story of a gay relationship, which you know, same sex relationship that we never really get to see represented 
so vividly on screen. So I think that's the reason why I love season three. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I understand the quality uh, wasn't as good because you didn't have so much of a dynamic between a lot of the characters because they were sort of split up. But I do agree with you. And he's absolutely right. You know, make one of your bullshit shows, but don't take a character from a franchise that is well loved and try and squeeze like a square peg into a round hole. Listen, I, I, I agree. Again, all I'm saying, I agree with everything that both you and Mexiplex are saying. All I'm <laughs> adding is why is anyone surprised? Yeah. <laughs> I just like it. Cause we all get to raise our voices on sequel mania. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Whatever happened to Johnny Depp? He was one of my favourite actors years ago. He used to be... He really stuck to his guns. He used to only do scripts that he believed in. He never used to take the big action role. He'd rather do the more artistic role. Um, and um, he, he, he was in some amazing films. Um, then sort of the Pirates of the Caribbean happened. And I liked the character... Captain Jack Sparrow, but then it seemed like after that, he just plays a weirdo in every single film <laughs> he's in now. He plays Captain Jack Sparrow, basically, in everything, and I think after Sweeney Todd, I've, I've hated him in everything, um, and I've never experienced an actor go from... Go f- ex- have such a change um, in terms of what projects they decide to do and how they decide to do them. Well, I have a, I have four nouns and one saying that I like to bring up that will, will answer all your questions. The four nouns that all of these are part of ha- what happened to Johnny Depp, who, whom I still love. But here's what the four nouns are. The first two nouns are Tim Burton. The second two nouns are Amber Heard. And the saying is, there's no one in Hollywood above a beach house, especially an extra one. <laughs> That's what happened when you make four hundred million dollars off of. Uh, and by the way, and then Disney tries to rob you, and you have to hire a forensic accountant to go through all their books, and you win. At that point, you're like, "All right, I'll just give me what you got. I want money." Yeah, That's yeah, absolutely. So I'm saying, yeah. What, what are you he, saying? I think he. I lost all of his respect. Uh, well, respect for him uh, with his um, career choices after he made uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That was a low point for me with Johnny Depp. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was back. It's not good. You know, but listen, you also can't be Johnny Depp at some point. Like, I don't know. Le- like, there's only one Leo, really. And there's like only one Brad. Like, there's not that many guys or girls that make, or people, let's say non-binary, that make that many good choices in a row. And I exactly. think when you stop, when you stop um, picking your films by director, that's where the problems start. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I completely agree with you. There's only one Toby Maguire, right? I'm Toby Maguire. <laughs> I'm Leo's best friend, and it's not why I'm famous. I was <laughs> Spider Man. I ruined the Cider House rules. I'm Toby Maguire. <laughs> I married Ron Meyer's daughter. She has a jewelry company. You there? Oh, was that it? Okay, I thought I lost. I thought that was it. That that cut everybody off. Toby <laughs> McGuire took over the uh, airwaves. 
I think if Sequel Mania got a sequel, it would just be a Tobey Maguire like show. That would be it. It would just be Tobey Maguire reviewing uh, 80s sequels. That'd be perfect. Amen. Amen. <laughs> right, this is our last ditty, guys. No more ditties, please, because uh, Mr. Dorfy has to get on with his day. Oh, and I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, it's uh, already 11.30 for you, right? Uh, no, remember the time difference. It's 10.20. We're coming up to oh, 10.20. Yeah, that's right. You didn't do daylight savings time. Because of the weird time difference thing. Yeah, you're not but, a bunch uh, of farmers. Yeah. So, right, here we go. Last What's your favorite movie? If, uh, if you were to choose one. Oh, that's a big question. Go on, Cliff. You know yours already. I do. Being there, Peter Sellers, Hal Ashby directed it. My favorite movie, number one. Then I have like Fight Club, Goodfellas, Casino, Raging Bull. They're all in there hovering as runner-ups. But Being There is absolutely my favorite movie, period. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Mulholland Drive and Jaws. There you go. Great choices. Excellent. Here we go. I somehow starred in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> Wait, Toby didn't do the fear and loathing, did he? That was Depp. I'm oh, Toby. I think he was doing Depp. I think he was doing a Depp. Oh, his Depp sounds a lot like my Toby. <laughs> oh, Gentry, fantastic! Oh, another amazing. Uh, you know, I can't speak for our lovely audience what they thought, but for me, another amazing sequel mania in the books. Oh yeah, absolutely. This one's going straight in the bank. It's going in my bank. <laughs> Straight in the bank. And we're not, we're off next week, correct? Because you have a, uh, a show. We are off next week. Um, yeah, so Sequel Mania is now on Thursdays, guys. Uh, yeah. Sunday's spot, just, uh, it's just easier for everyone all round. Uh, yes. Not here next week because I am with Mrs. Smitty doing the best. Stereo Mysteries where we're going to be talking about the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's going to be a good That's one. Great. That's uh, great. But then we are back. Oh, bear with me one second. I just want to quickly sure. just have a quick look. We are back the following Thursday. Uh, yeah, so the following Thursday, I'm really excited about this. So we're going to be talking, obviously, about various amounts of sequels. But we're also going to be talking a little bit about VHS and our, and our memories of VHS. Not necessarily, you know, like the feel and the texture of a VHS tape. We're going to be talking about where did you go? to get your VHS tapes. What did you rent? Did you rent any sequels from Blockbuster? Or the little independent one that, you know, had really dodgy things under the counter? What did you rent from these places? That's what we want to know. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about VHS tapes and obviously a vast amount of sequels as well. In our Can't next wait. Show. In two weeks' time. Two weeks. One o'clock Pacific time. Oh, oh. Yeah, or or something like that. (laughs) Something like that. Just look it up. You don't follow us. Just follow us. I'll tell you. 9 p.m. GMT. It's always 9 p.m. The UK time is the anchor. So just come, just just ask Google what time is it in England. And if it's 9 p.m., you're you're, just tune in. We're here. (laughs) Fantastic. Keith, thank you so much for today. And uh, I can't wait to see you uh, in two weeks and do this all over again. Another sequel. See you then. Take okay. care, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. Here Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast. Don't forget you can contact us at filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com or on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we look forward to welcoming you back next time here on the Films I Love Most podcast.